Hi, I'm Dr. Akiva Down. And I'm Rabbi Avi Green. And welcome to Interesting Questions. In this podcast, we'll be addressing issues that are philosophical, religious, and psychological in nature, and exploring some of the deeper questions as we go into Season 2. We will be focusing on that which is considered to be controversial, and there may not be a right or wrong answer. So we are hoping that our discussions will yield more questions for your Shabbos table. Hello, and welcome to Interesting Questions. As promised, we are going to try and talk about something a little different this time. So we're going to talk about the things that are bothering us about Jewish practice, Judaism, Jewish ideals, uh, different things that would be helpful for one or the other, or perhaps both of us to try and discuss and work through. And certainly we'd love to hear feedback on these different concepts and different ideas. Um, Avi, I'm going to ask for you to help me with something, because, you know, we're not here yet, so we have some time, but we we recently finished the three weeks and finished Tisha B'Av, and of course, shortly later, shortly coming up, is Elul, which is followed very closely by Tishrei and the Yamim Noraim. Um, you know, my my particular upbringing... I grew up conservative, and we went to shul fairly regularly, and we were we were certainly practicing. And yet, I can speak certainly for for myself, and I wouldn't dare speak for anybody else. But uh, you know, going to a conservative shul on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Um, well, I'll put it this way: at one point the rabbi went on sabbatical and he stood up on the bima in front of everybody and mentioned how he was going on sabbatical and that most people wouldn't notice because he would be back next Yom Kippur. And there was a an unfortunate major point that he made with that, which is growing up in that environment, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur were really the times when everybody would come to Shul, certainly Yom Kippur, and it was really, it made it unpleasant. There were so many people, and everybody who didn't seem to, from a child's perspective, didn't seem to be caring about a lot of what seemed maybe was what was important. I didn't quite have a complete taste of it at that point. And, but at this point, now being where I am, and hopefully having a very different experience, yes, Shul is still crowded, but the truth is, Shul is crowded almost every Shabbos, and I just I, it it has made me not really like Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and and I, I struggle with this because I feel like they're very meaningful days, and I see the value in that, but part of me can't help but be frustrated by the thousands that get spent still by a, really probably every group who celebrates Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, between membership dues, between seats for Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, between donations, honors, meals, 
The meals are, are, are nice. I mean, well, our meals for Yom Kippur are very, you know, modest at best. Uh, but, but, but again, really what I'm getting at is, and what really bugs me is I, every time, I, I mean, I, I will admit, I don't really look forward to Tisha B'Av or the three weeks. But basically, Shavuot is the last Chag that comes around that I really find myself enjoying until Sukkot. And the biggest reason why I enjoy Sukkot, quite frankly, is because, again, at least as a child, everybody who didn't want to go to Shul stopped going by then. And so, so I'm showing my cards a lot, and I would really like to have some assistance in modifying my feelings about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Again, not from, say, a Judaic perspective, but from a human perspective, because I don't think I'm alone in this not enjoying the parade and gala of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So I, too, will admit that there is a dread when Elul comes around and we start to blow the chauffeur of, Oi, Rosh Hashanah's coming. Oi, Yom Kippur's coming. Oi, we gotta go slay slichos. And we're not even Sephardi and have to say them for 30 days. We just have to say them for the week before. But I think that that while that exists, part of it is... Um, it sounds, and, and obviously this is more your area of expertise than mine, like there's some previous trauma connected to it. Um, but there is also sort of some other components. I would imagine that like many other Ashkenazic Jews, um, including those who, who grew up in the conservative movement, it, it, we call it the days of awe, Right? And not awe as in, this is awesome, but as in, you should be greatly afraid of God. And so there's this push to say, this is the time when we fear God. Um, and which makes me think of, of more of the way that Svardim approach this time of year, right? While Ashkenazim say, this is the king of kings and I stand before him and he could kill me. Uh, Svardim tend to say, oh, I stand before this judge. He's the same guy who left me, uh, let me off last year for what I did. Fantastic, good to see you again, Judge. Right? And and I wonder if we need a little bit more of that, and if we need a little bit less dirge, and a little bit more singing, and I think that has started to happen in many shuls. Um, I think that... It's funny you mentioned singing, because there's a choir at my shul, too, and that was... Definitely not one of the highlights, in my opinion. So, uh, I, I hear you, and I think the difference, at least for me, and I'm sure I can only speak for me, as you said, um, is that the difference between a choir is that it is something you observe. Whereas, at least in some of the minyanim that we have attended, the singing is much more participatory. Right? Um, and... I think that is something that also creates a barrier. Um, the lack of ability to participate can create a barrier for many people when it comes to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. The davening is different. The, the words are harder. The themes are much more challenging. And so people are much more uncomfortable with it. 
because it's not something they're used to. And yeah, there's all those other people, and you start to wonder, where, where, where are these people in between last year and this year? Right? Why do they suddenly feel a need to come for Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur? And what makes them think that God is going to forgive them when they only show up when they need something? And so, on the other hand, I'll say, well, at least they're showing up. At least they have some connection to their Judaism. And maybe it will be enough to get their children or their grandchildren to stay connected. Um, but I, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about my seats, where I can sit so that I don't feel squished, um, and where I can, I mean, even to the point where I have offered in multiple different settings to daven from the Amud on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, both because I feel it gives me personally a little bit more focus. I have to be, uh, I have to be in the moment to be able to daven, um, but also because then at least I know there's nobody sitting, touching me while I'm davening. Um, and, and to be frank, one of the issues that bothers me most is that the shul we are a part of, while I love many, many of the things that they do, um, they tend to say that we should all finish Yom Kippur together, and they pack three or four minyanim into two rooms, and it's something that just completely removes any kind of kavana that I can have, because I'm so feeling like somebody is sitting almost on my lap, that it makes it almost impossible to really focus on what I'm trying to say. And even when we're standing, the, the room gets warm and it gets, and it, it just doesn't, I, I would like a little bit of space. Well, Avi, schadenfreude aside, I, I don't know that... Uh, that we've solved the issue. No, no. And, and I think, so certainly, certainly I wouldn't use the word trauma for, for my experiences as a child. Um, but, but I would say that it certainly did color the picture. And at the same time, you're, you're pointing out the same things that exist that still do get under my skin now. And I guess, I guess a little bit of what I want to make sure doesn't happen is... Well, I don't know. Maybe is it all right to not enjoy Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur? So I'll say it may be okay to not enjoy them, right? Maybe I, that's I could the ask Ashkenaz the psychiatrist. Way. Well, I could ask the psychiatrist: Is it okay to not enjoy everything? Yes, it's okay to not enjoy everything, right? Um, life is not only about enjoyable moments. Um, there have to be serious moments. There have to be unfortunate moments, sad moments as well. Maybe this is some of them. Um, and the other thing is to say to oneself, if I really want to have the best kind of Rosh Hashanah I can, how do I set myself up for success by looking at which minyanim I want to attend? And you may be stuck davening in a particular minyan. And I think that one of the things we have to think about is that we had a completely different experience. Some of us for one year, some of us for a couple of years. Um, 
but I remember almost everybody had at least one Yom Kippur where they were home by themselves. Um, at least here in Florida, where it was very warm for Yom Kippur, and we were told not to daven outside. Um, and there were... Everybody was home. I was home. And I will tell you, I was dreading it. But in the end, it turned out to be one of my best years of Yom Kippur davening ever. Because I got to take my time. I got to use the tunes that I wanted to use. And I didn't feel any pressure to go at a particular pace or to, you know, worry about who was around me. Um, And not that I would suggest we should do that every Yom Kippur, but to sort of think about how do we pull the best parts out of that and find a way to try to recreate the components that were important to us. Well, and I, and I can speak to the fact that um, when I was in medical school, one of the, one of the years, uh, it was probably my third year, I think I was on my surgical rotation and, you know, unfortunately, your surgery rotation doesn't give you a lot of time off, uh, nor was there a lot of opportunity to take that time if you wanted to pass the rotation. So I, I recall that certainly for Yom Kippur, I also stayed home and davened because there was uh, not... There were not many Jews in the area that I was living. And so Shul was not an option. And so so I stayed home and I davened. And it was it was way not my best Yom Kippur. Uh, in part probably because of stressing of what I was missing out. Uh, and what I would need to make up and what was happening. But also, um, that wasn't a better... That wasn't a better alternative. I... And I guess maybe maybe it's starting to shift. You know, there are certain things that I really do enjoy. But then again, being in Florida where it's so hot, I got to say there were certain things that I liked better about being up north in residency and fellowship and having the opportunity to have Rosh Hashanah and walk to Shul in a suit and sometimes, dare I say, be chilly let alone comfortable. Um, But it's always been a bit of a challenge to find a place that really feels comfortable, or probably the closest to hitting that mark. Well, I think for a lot of us, we, we choose where we live based upon a variety of factors, including work. And, and where we can find a job and where we can do things and having a Jewish community that will support us in terms of education and certain other things. Um, and then we try to find a shul that is a good fit. And like most things in life, I think there are pieces that we really enjoy and there are pieces that we probably don't like very much. And there may be components that we can avoid when we dislike them. And there may be parts that stare us in the face. And it sounds like Rosh Hashanah may be one of those a little bit for you where it stares you in the face. And it says, 
you know, this is, this is what it is right now. And some of it can be you changing, and some of it may be, again, looking around for a particular minion and saying, I want something a little bit different. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, it sounds like it's only three days. And I guess that's a bigger picture for this as well, is, you know, when we look at everything that we do, each thing in and of itself might only be a small percentage, a small piece of what we do. And I guess what may be useful, and I think is useful for me at best, or at worst, either one, uh, and, and that I would be happy to share with everyone else, is it's three days. Yeah, it's three days every year. But there's 362 others, generally. And uh, and I can throw out there, right? We we tend to make a big deal of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But maybe it's just Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Like, get over it, right? People have a bad Shabbos. A Shabbos where you just weren't in the mood. You were too nervous. You were too ramped up about other things going on. Maybe it's just Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, but obviously there's 51 other Shabbases in a year. Uh, there are other Chagim and there's Shabbos. By the way, every time that Roshana, the Chagim, are mentioned in the, in, in, the, in the Torah, it always starts by talking about Shabbos. Shabbos is the model that all the other holidays are built on. Oh, you know what? While we're on that, because I think this fits, maybe it's part of that I don't really appreciate certain things, right? Every other, every other fast day, we bump away from Shabbos. Even Tisha B'Av. We do it on the 10th of Av if it's on Shabbos. And if you look, or if you looked, in a, the, the Kinos for Tisha B'Av, there's only three days that Tisha B'Av can fall on in the calendar. And one of them is, well, Sunday because it can't be Shabbos. So maybe, maybe part of what bugs me is that, you know, we, we still fast on Yom Kippur, even if it's on Shabbos. So if we're supposed to enjoy three meals on Shabbos, but on Yom Kippur, we're not supposed to enjoy any meals. And maybe that's a little bit of what, what gets me, is it is so different. It's so outside of everything else. Everything else, we, we kind of push aside, right, for, for Shabbos. We, and we talked about this on, I think, on Pesach, uh, about what bugged me. Um, you know, on Sukkot, we don't bench lulav on Shabbos. On Rosh Hashanah, we don't blow shofar on Shabbos. Pesach, I, I think we do everything on Shabbos. Uh, but Yom Kippur, we fast. Right. It's called Shabbat Shabbaton, the Shabbat of all Shabbatot, and therefore we fast. I don't know. It, that never struck me. That component never struck me the same way. In fact, I actually sometimes really like when Yom Kippur falls on Shabbos because I feel like it's makes it like have double, double holiness. Are you sure that's not just because you don't have to prepare the Shabbos meals? Maybe. Maybe it's that too. 
although I, I never have to prepare Yom Kippur meals, generally speaking. Um, there's the pre-meal and there's the, the, the post-fast meal, but um, I don't know. That part didn't bother me. There are other things that bothered me, but that never bothered me. So I guess it's time for your question for your Shabbos table, which is, if you could take action on one thing connected to the Yom Noraim, connected to the High Holidays, to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, what one thing would you change that you can try and change to connect yourself more to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? More legroom. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to reach us, you can reach us at iqdiscuss at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you and responding.